Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Prepare to Fight Fire podcast. Today, I have the honor to be in the home of Michael Suma. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Um, I've, we've, we've been trying to do this for a while, and um, I've, I've always admired you and, and considered you a mentor from afar but close. And so I want to start with, you know, thank you for being who you are, how you've carried yourself um, as an athlete, as a firefighter, and, and as a family man. It's... It's, just, it's inspirational. Thank you, man. Well, yeah. you're doing some great things with your podcast and your movement, and uh, I'm uh, happy to be a part of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying. I'm really yeah, trying course. to just help help people be better. Mm-hmm. As simple and vague as that sounds, I think a lot of people in life get stuck, and they just accept it, and then fast forward 60, 70 years, and that's their life. Yeah. Right. So the fire service is no different. Um, the only difference is, is that you start with this, like, fire this this bulb that's so bright 100%. and then depending on who you're surrounded with which mm-hmm. just like life right. will dictate your career path yeah. so i want to kind of talk about how bright you were coming in especially with your background yeah yeah so yeah um i'm in my 19th year here with palm beach county it was my first and only department um i came in with a sh- crap ton of fire is this R-rated, G-rated, we could cuss. It's a firefighter podcast, bro. Okay, perfect. I don't know the censorship that you have on this. No, no, there's no censorship. Um, I came in with a lot of fire. You know, I came from a football background, both collegially and professionally. So I took that mentality of no holds barred into the fire service. And the stuff that I used to do to train for the football camp during the off-season is what I would apply towards the academy. Um, And then I kept that fire going as long as I possibly could because complacency is the cousin of death. You know, mm. we, if we're not growing, we're dying. So I find myself in these positions throughout the years of what else can I challenge myself with to stay on top of my fitness game. And seeing my surrounding brothers and sisters sometimes, how complacency could hit them hard. And it is not a an acute ramification where like anaphylaxis, somebody eats peanut butter and they get a swollen throat immediately. This happens slowly, gradually, where they don't necessarily notice their decline in fitness, not only on the the health and fitness side, but also the firefighter performance side. Like, what do you need to do on performing on the job? Right. And it isn't until that big one hits that you realize, holy shit, now it's too late. And the complacency that catches up with these guys when that fire starts dimming out over the years is where I've tried to help a lot of our guys stay motivated. And however it is, whether it's beating them into their verbally or whether it's helping them on the side or whether it's personally coaching them either through online or in-person training um but giving them some of my motivation in order so they could stay at the level that they need in order to complete their job right everything else is just a bonus you know because we don't go home everybody else suffers mm-hmm. but keeping and it works hand in hand if you're fit on the outside of the department you're going to be pretty much fit capable to do your job inside the department. So that's been my motivation throughout the years. Yeah, absolutely. And there's there's so much I want to talk about there. The first thing being is your mindset coming in and how everybody kind of listens to this podcast being firefighters and training firefighters um, yeah. from all ranks and all levels. So how was your hardcore football mindset applied and translated to being a firefighter? Yeah, you know, one of the things that used to happen during the offseason at UCF was the coaches tried their best to keep guys um, at the at the university, to keep us there so they could keep a close eye on us. You know, you're 18, 19, 20 years old, you have a tendency to fuck off during the offseason, and they hated seeing 
these guys come into fall camp when it's time to do work mm -hmm. and get down our scheme when you're trying to get somebody in shape. So they would encourage us. And every year they would encourage me and every year I would come back down to Miami. Um, but I had the discipline and the motivation to train harder than they were training up there. You know, I was without my brothers from the football team, but I was still pushing myself. For example, I would choose the hottest part of the day, which is typically 1 to 3 p.m. in Miami, to go to the Tropical Park Hill, to go to the Orange Bowl, which back then they let you uh, walk in there and run the stadiums, to put myself through that type of rigorous training so that when I would go up there, and the first thing that you do once you stamp on campus is 15 110s. So you got to perform 1,510 yard sprints and each position had a different time limit, but you had to complete this. And if you wouldn't complete it, then you had to do Dawn Patrol every single day until you were able to complete it. That's a 5 a.m. workout, which for a 19 year old was very difficult to do. Um, <laughs> but I would complete it every single year without throwing up, without quitting, without missing a single one, 15 110s because I would put myself through. And I use that mentality like, if I'm going to pick a profession which could literally kill me, I need to be in that or even better shape because fatigue makes cowards of us all, mm. you know this. So when your body's under duress and you're in that tight situation, if you can't count on your body to get you out of that situation, now you're just gonna crumble up and die. That's it. So taking that mindset of how do I take my football training, because that's basically all I knew for a decade of my life, and apply it towards a firefighting service, and that's exactly what we did. And then coming into the academy, I mean, not to sound arrogant, but it was a breeze. Right. I, I would do little how, challenges with myself. How was uh, Gribble Camp, as they <sighs> called it? Man. Honestly. Okay. <laughs> the physical fitness, and I kind of get it looking at it from a business standpoint. The physical fitness side of it isn't as exerting as the stuff that I've put myself through. Right. Because of the liabilities that you don't want to get some of these guys hurt. But it also comes to a point where there needs to be this threshold of pushing the limit on how physically demanding we could be of these young athletes, mm -hmm. young firefighters, and not getting them hurt. There were some things that we did that were not as challenging as I thought they would be. Um, or I was in, again, trying to be humble here, I was in such good shape because I would see some of them struggling to get through this that I kind of thought to myself, what the fuck have you been doing for the past? You knew you were going to get hired. Yeah. You knew that we started on September 5th. What the fuck have you been doing for the past six months? Nothing. Walking on a treadmill or not doing shit, just right. hoping that your good looks get you through this? So it was difficult for me to understand why we have to keep this 12-minute pace when I've been training my ass off to at least keep an eight-minute pace, and right. I'm four minutes behind here, just for the running aspect of it alone. So um, everything else at Camp Gribble was very challenging. You know, when it comes to the POs on both, you know, the EMS and the fire side, those are both, those are challenging because you can literally lose your job. So the pressure and the stress that, you know, you feel as a firefighter getting your dream job at a dream department, um, that is challenging. That's something that you need to overcome. You know, one of the things that, that I try to convey to my son and, and young kids coming up is if you're going to take on a profession like this, you got to be all in. Mm. And one of the things that I did along with one of our guys that you know, Joe Santoro, is we moved up, and I only live an hour and 15 minutes from Palm Beach County, but we moved up there. And the reason I moved up there during the academy was because I didn't want any distraction in my life. I didn't want women. I didn't want friends. I didn't want anything else, not the gym, not fitness. All I wanted to do was be all in during the academy so that I could excel. My goal walking in there was to be 
um, to the, the the president of my of my class. I wanted to be the head guy. You know, Jason Martino being Jason Martino beat me out. But that was my goal. Set my expectations high, and hopefully that I at least fall in line and pass. And you know, obviously we did that. But that was my goal in there: is come in with that no holds barred mentality, be as physically fit as I could possibly, so that now I could just focus on my shortcomings. You know, maybe my EMS side, maybe my math side when it comes to pharmaceutical calculations. So I knew what my weaknesses are and I knew what my strengths are. So if my strengths are top notch, I don't need to worry about that. Right. You know, and that's what I came into that that academy. So with. coming in with such a physical stature, how was the mindset that you had from football? Because mm-hmm. anybody all in in football yeah. knows how hard football is. Yeah. Um. How every day. Right, two a days, like the off season, during the season, it's just it's 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 a lot. It really is. So, how was your mindset from that applied to that training camp? Yeah. And were you ever tested, like pushed mentally, not physically? Um, yeah, you know, um, there's a there's a saying from the '86 Airborne that courage is being afraid but going anyways. Mm. You know, and there's a lot of things in football. Um, that take courage. You know, one of the examples is we used to have some badass offensive linemen, two of them that went professional, that we would do board drills with these guys. And I was kind of light in the ass in, in college. I was about 230 pounds going up against these 300-pound monsters. And it was nerve-wracking and sometimes scary to go up against these dudes that were seniors and you're the younger dude. But stepping up and conquering that fear and jumping on top of that board and going up against these guys and seeing how well you perform. Fortunately enough for me, I performed pretty well. And it was the same mindset that I would bring into the fire academy. Look, you know, tight spaces, you know, enclosed areas, running out of air, loud noises, buzzing, dark, hot areas. Those are the things that could be intimidating, especially for somebody that's never had those types of encounters. I didn't grow up necessarily in a firefighter family where they spoke about this all the time. This is new to me. Mm -hmm. You know, when we went into the burn building and it's fucking feels like a goddamn oven in there and it's banking you down to where you're laying the ground against the floor, you know, where your shield is melting. Those are intimidating moments. And this it's that's where courage comes in. So mm-hmm. that was the mindset that I took was, you know, and, and now with jujitsu is you're going to have these moments of intimidation. You just got to push through those moments because the paradise is on the other side of those right. moments. Right. That's where all the glory happens. And it's those guys that I'm sure you see him and I saw them that. We're so close to passing, so close to ending up with their dream job, but they couldn't get past that little hump. They couldn't get past that fear of, dude, I know it's scary. You're not going to die. This is training. They're going to make sure that you're safe. It's hot as fuck in here, right. but just get past that, and you're going right, to feel right. so much better on the back end because you did something that could make, give you some pride and make you proud of yourself and your family proud of yourself. So that was the mentality that I took in there is, I know there's going to be challenges. I know there's going to be points where I am uncomfortable, mm. whether it's dealing personally with another instructor or another teammate, or it's going to be moments in my life that, ah, this is part of the job, and you know, embrace it, embrace that fear that not a lot of people have, you know, no, no shout out, you know, accountants or lawyers or whatnot. I'm sure they have their own little challenges, but it's very different. You know, it's very different when you face physical and mental stress at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and the reason why I ask is because we've had a change in, in, in the tide, right. In in the world we live in, in football, in, in everything, right. It's bleeded into everything and some of it for the better. Right. Um, but some of it is, is I feel, I feel it's negligence, mm. right? And, and the, the attitude coming in, yours was, I'm going into a profession that's very dangerous and I need to be best prepared, mm. right? And I know that 
I'm being taught to be the best firefighter I can be. I'm not there to make friends. I'm not there to feel good. I'm there to learn, right? I'm there to be challenged. I'm there to be ready for when I, I, go, I go to work and I'm on shift and it's somebody's worst day, I can help. Right. And I feel that, and, and this is really advice to people coming in, that a lot of people are very entitled. Mm -hmm. They're very entitled to, they deserve to be there right. and that they make the decision of what's hard. Like, oh, this is too hard yeah. or this doesn't make sense or putting all of these labels on things when they have zero experience of the job at all. Yeah. Physically, mentally, emotionally, um, being able to operate with no sleep, um, running calls that, that are, are really shitty, um, being put in situations where you have to step up because everybody else on the crew has neglected their mindset or fitness, right? And what I, I wanted to get your perspective on what you went through because people need to understand that it's supposed to be hard. Yeah, like that, for sure, 100%, it's, yeah. That should not be a surprise. Like, right. it, like hey, the fire academy was hard. Like, you getting hired is, is going to be hard. It yeah. needs to be hard. Yeah. And the purpose is because they need to push you and put you in those situations because if you break in a controlled, safe environment, like right. you said, right. what's going to happen on your, your first day at work? 100%. Right? 100%. One of these sugarcane uh, factories go up. That's a bad day. Yeah, for sure. That's a bad day. Yeah. And if there's somebody in there, you're expected to yeah. go in, Run in and, and rescue them. Yeah. Right? That's what their family would expect. That's what you would expect if it was your family inside. Yeah. And if you can't hack it in a 12-week training academy, what makes you think it's going to be, because people forget it's going to be harder yeah. in real life. Right. Right? Um, so I, I love hearing all of that, and, and I love, you know, preparation. Yeah, you is, know, you know, talking a little bit about where you started off with this conversation on where we were in the past and where we are now, I'm 48 years old. So I, th I, I'm, I'm in a, I think that I'm in a blessed, uh, chapter in life where I've seen the changing of the guard, mm. right? Um, younger kids like my son only know one way, right? I could only tell them stories, but they can't experience what I went through, you know, pre-social media, uh, pre-gentle parenting, mm. uh, <laughs> I might get shit for that one. Um, you know, pre-entitlement, right? Right, right, right. We, we earned everything that we needed to earn. I, you know, we were, we weren't poverty stricken, but we weren't, you know, born with a silver spoon in our mouths either. So we had to earn everything that we got, my sisters and, and I. Um, I could only hope, and sometimes this is table talk at the firehouse, is that Whoever's in charge, whether it's human resources or administration or the instructors at the, the academy, could find ways to weed these people out. And I'm not hating on anybody, but there's certain professions which it's appropriate to hold people's hands. And there's other professions in which it's appropriate to let go of that hand mm. because you necessarily cannot alter a person's psyche to be ready to take on the challenges that this profession provides, right? Going back to fear, going back to bravery, those types of aspects is you either have it or you don't, right? right? And you're either the type of the person that the sugar mill call comes in and it is in flames and there's explosions. You either have that gut where you say, this might be the last one, but these people need rescuing. This is what I have. And you might have that guy that may accidentally lose his mask because he's scared as fuck to go in there, mm -hmm. right? So that's hard to build 
that person has to have that in right. them, that ability to see past that fear and perform their duties at hand. And that goes to little things um, like board drills, which again, you're not going to die. I'm talking about football terms again, to running into a full blown commercial structure fire where right. it's completely, you know, backed out. Um, so I would hope that my department and departments out there do have a fine balance of understanding that this person just needs coaching or teaching, or this person just doesn't have it in them. Right. When I got hired through Crank Gribble, they did a phenomenal job. And these are people, these are, gen- these are guys that I liked. Like I genuinely liked these guys, but I remember one guy in particular just pouting in the corner because he just was too scared to move. And I felt bad for him, but I realized I can't go into a fire with this dude because not only am I worried about his safety, I'm worried about my safety now. So those are the guys, and they weeded him out. And he weeded himself out, right? Right. They asked him, are, do you quit? And he said, yeah, I quit. Like, this isn't for me. And he went on to, to become an engineer. But um, I can only hope the departments, what, what I fear is that departments now, because of liability, right. the fear of being sued, the fear of... Um, being frowned upon, the fear of being canceled, going on social media. I fear that they fear themselves pinned against a wall and push these people through. And then what you get stuck with is a undisciplined, unmotivated firefighter that is a liability. Is for, the weakest for 30 years. For 30 years. And everybody in the crew knows it. Mm. And they're scared. And they're, they're scared of what could happen to this person and to themselves. You right. know? And this could be the the best brother out there. This could be the nicest, coolest person out there. But if they don't have that little spark, that that bravery that you need to be in this department, it's scary as a brother knowing, damn, I don't want you to go in. I might give you another task right. because you're a liability to me, whether it's fitness shape or whether it's mental shape. Right. Like the, the captain needs to realize this. And to deal with that kind of sucks. That's you tough. Know? It's tough. That's so I, I can see the balance in where the administration needs to figure out ways to weed these people out is you need to find the best candidate for the position, you know? So yeah, um, I can only hope that that takes place. Yeah. And, and, and I have to say we, we've gotten a, an influx of new people uh, in my battalion. And, and I can say with much pride that they are, they are our future. And, yeah. and, and I'm proud that, that we have hired them <clears throat> yeah. um, mentally, physically, emotionally, um, their eagerness, their passion, their heart. Um, it, there's good ones, yeah. but, but there's also some that, I'm just like, this is not the job for you. Right. And and, right. and really what I wanted to get out of this is to really explain to people because you said, if you don't have it, this isn't for you. Mm. And I would have to disagree. You might not have it right now, right? Because it, all it is is a maturity thing mentally, mm. right? You're mature enough to understand that the pain you're going through right now won't last forever and that the fear you're experiencing, you just have to work through it. Right. Some people... Right. Th- th- can't comprehend that they can't they can't digest that so they just quit yeah. or they say this isn't for me yeah. so anybody out there that is struggling i empower you to go back to the drawing board yeah. to get physically fit to work on your mental toughness because fitness and mental toughness sometimes go yeah. hand in yeah, hand 100 but four sets of eight bench press yeah. is not going to make you mentally tough right. Right. <laughs> you yeah, know for sure. um so you but, know, I, I, I'll, I'll chime in here for a second, and I'll I'll um I'll agree to your disagreement here, just because you take me back to my original fire academy, Lake County Vocational Tech, and we had uh, the maze, 
you know, darked out, music playing, this, you know, the whole nine. Uh-huh. And um, I told one of my instructors, I said, fuck, I'm 240, man. This is going to be tight for me and stuff. And he goes, sing, pick a song and sing. Just distract your mind with singing and just make your way. And I picked, um, fuck, this year, for, uh, I cannot remember the name of the song. This year, Halloween fell on a weekend. It's it's an old school hip hop song. I'm going to think of the name. But that's the song that I picked. I knew all the lyrics to the song and I went in. So you're right. Some people need a little bit of coaching to kind of get them through the situation that they're in, you know? Right. Um, so I, I will agree with you on that side. I also will agree with you when you said about people coming, people coming into my battalion. You know, the first, the first guy, and I sent them a message two days ago. I'll, send you, I'll show you the screenshot so you don't think I'm bullshitting you. But I sent them, I sent them a message the other day and it was a, it was a reel about courage and that somebody was saying that he doesn't believe heroes are born. He believes heroes are exposed. Mm. And when the shit hits the fan, that's when heroes pop out. And that's when you could find him. And I sent it to her, Jose Hernandez. And I said, you're that guy. And this is the first time I ever said this to him because usually we bust each other's balls. Right, right, right. I said, you're that guy. You're that guy that I know that if the shit hits the fan, EMS-wise, cool. But fire-wise, <laughs> I know you're that dude that'll go in there, no holds barred, no regard for your own safety, do things correctly, and not only look out for you, but look after Justin, my captain, mm. and myself. Like, that. that's him. You could just see it in right, him right, right. type of thing. So... We have guys in our battalion that have come through that have displayed, you know, one, they're teaching them great stuff coming out of the, the academy because these kids come in, the kids because they're young, but they come in and they, they're teaching stuff that they're showing in the academy that we're just too far removed from. Um, and also you could see that fire underneath them. You could see that courage. So I believe that they are doing it. But um, I will agree on the grit side of fitness. So not to give a shameless plug to CrossFit, right? <laughs> CrossFit, it puts you through that mental stress where your body is telling you to quit because it's so strenuous, but you got to grind through it mm. and get those 20 other pull-ups or those you know, 50 other kettlebell swings or your coach is still telling you, hey, you got two more minutes of this hand wrap, let's fucking go, right. you know, because these coaches coach like firefighter instructors, you know, like my old football coaches, like they're screaming in your ears, Let's fucking go. And that builds that mental fortitude that I think crosses over to professions like the fire academy and the police academy, mm-hmm. right? And if you're, like I go back to it, if you're not under duress physically, meaning you're capable like yourself of handling this, now your mind could just figure out the logistical issues that you need to deal with, whether you're entangled or whether it's operational or whatnot, because you're not worried about your gas. Right. You have your gas, you know? Um, so definitely, I think that there's a correlation between being as physically fit, and you do a great job providing this to your clients, as physically fit as possible going into the academy. So you could turn around and be a Michael Soon and go, eh, it was pretty tough. It, was eh, it wasn't that bad, yeah, right? right? Like, right. where other guys would be like, that fucking sucked. Well, it sucked because you didn't do shit for six fucking right. months leading up right. to it. You know, it wasn't easy for me because I killed myself at the hill at three o'clock in the afternoon in the dead heat. You know, every day, every day. Yeah. So I'm used to this anguish. It, it people have to understand how much this job requires you to tap into your mindset. Yeah. And if you're tapping into your mindset right away, it's gonna be a long day for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> you know, so where a guy that is not in shape versus you show up and do an evolution at the same time, you may only have to utilize 10% of your mindset mm-hmm. where right. he might have to utilize 100 and that's why yeah. his level of difficulty is so high. Yeah. And so 
I, I tell everybody while fitness is important and you need to be as physically fit as possible, once you, and I made a post about it this morning, it doesn't get easier, right? Fitness doesn't get easier. You get stronger, you push yourself harder. Mm -hmm. um, but understanding how to navigate the waters of yeah. your mindset throughout training right. is what gets easier because yeah. you've been there, right? You've been in, 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 in a situation of where, man, I, I don't want to do this anymore, but we do it anyways, right? right? Anyways, yeah. and, and Mike Tyson says, discipline is, is doing what you hate doing, mm -hmm. but doing it like you love it, yeah. right? And I hate most of the stuff that I do to make myself better, but I love the outcome. For sure. So I've come to love that feeling yeah. because... It's so crazy how you can be so uncomfortable mm. and yet very soon you'll be so fulfilled. Yeah, 100%. Right? And it only comes from putting yourself in those uncomfortable situations. Greg Glassman says a version of that quote that you just said of do the thing you hate the most and that's what's going to make you the most fit. Mm. Greg is the founder of CrossFit and that's what he finds is find the chinks in your armor, work on that and that's what's going to make you the most fit that you've ever been. And that's what we try to find is in CrossFit is we're constantly analyzing and diagnosing where is somebody weak and that's where we're gonna work. You suck at Olympic lifts, we're gonna focus on something. Now we're gonna throw Olympic lifts at you. You suck at muscle ups, now we're gonna throw muscle ups at you. You hate running, perfect, let's go run a fucking 5K because that's what's gonna make you more physically yeah, fit. Absolutely. And that's the, the correlation between fitness. You know, um, Thinking about being uncomfortable, and this is a, a, an endeavor that you've taken on, is jujitsu. Mm. Jiu-Jitsu is something that's new to me. I've been doing it now for six months. And one of the positions that I, I find both mentally and physically bothersome is somebody putting their belly on my face, is somebody mounting me and putting all their weight and pressure on my fucking face. I'm in a claustrophobic state, not knowing when this fucker's gonna get off me, and then I can't breathe. Because he's sitting on my chest with his hips and he's putting his fucking fat belly on my face. And I have learned and some of my upper belts have been very critical to put me into this position and tell me, breathe, Mike, breathe. Because they could feel me underneath them squirming what they call a spazzy white belt, squirming to get out of that position where I start to go back into my old mindset training of you're not going to die. I mean... You could, but you're not going to die. Right, right, right. Just turn your head to the side, catch some air, let this guy kind of squirm as much as he wants, and then focus on how to fuck to get out yeah, of this, this position. This, right. And I think that's what I love about jujitsu. You know, football was incredibly challenging for me, and I wasn't a five-star athlete. I had to work my way to Division One football and then to play some professionally. So that was a challenge, and that challenge is what kept me going. Firefighting, I'm going to pick a career that gives me so much time off and pays us very well that thousands of dudes want and I'm going to get hired, right? So I'm going to find something that's challenging. I'm going to get hired and I'm going to excel. And then once I did that, I found CrossFit. And I fell in love with fucking CrossFit. And I realized that I'm not the man in CrossFit. There's motherfuckers out there to beat me. So now I'm going to go as far beyond as I can. And then I'm going to venture off into the business world of CrossFit and push that as far. So I'm always looking for challenges. Now at 48 years old with beautiful family, beautiful gym, I got employees that run the, the business, the company itself. I'm at the back end of my firefighter career. Let me find something else that's uncomfortable at 48 years old. Fucking jujitsu. So now I'm going against 20-year-old kids that are stronger than I am. Animals. Animals, more technician, and beat me up every fucking morning like they did this morning. I tapped twice this morning. I love you know? it. And when I talk about 
the ego check. You know, we're big, badass fucking firefighters. Anywhere that we go, people are like, oh, this guy's a tough motherfucker. Not until you do jujitsu, <laughs> because I have 160-pound guys tapping me out. Yeah. Dudes that I used to think I could throw against the wall right, right, right. that are tapping me out. So not only physically is it challenging, but mentally. The ego check of how did I go from being this badass? And of course, everybody wants a piece of me, right? Oh, that's the ex-pro player. That's the business owner. That's the crossword guy. I want him. Hey, Mike, you want to roll? Motherfucker, I'm going to squash you until I roll. And then I realize, wow, there's so many things that I don't know. And that's the beauty of jujitsu is that it takes me back to the place of, holy shit, this feels uncomfortable. Mm. How do I get better? And it happened through me through football and it happened to me through firefighting. And now this is my new endeavor with jujitsu. So I have to ask you a couple things. First of all, you're not young. No. You're a beautiful 48-year-old, but nonetheless... (laughs) Mm. Somebody asked me, I forget who I was talking to. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go do a podcast with Mike. And uh, they were like, yeah, he's a stud. I'm like, yeah, he's like 70 years old, but he's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm getting, I feel 70. Oh, yeah. no, you no, I mean, you're, you're amazing. What, what has been the opposition internally um, reaching that age? Okay. I'm glad you asked this because this is a conversation that I have often with my wife. Okay. There's a disconnect between my brain and my body, okay? My brain still believes that I am 28. My brain still sees the kids out here in the gym squat cleaning 325, you know, doing seven or eight muscle-ups in a row, running a 5K. My body still believes it could do it until it goes and pulls that bar off the ground, until it grabs the rings and recognizes that I'm not what I used to be more so on the recovery side of it, Mm. right? And that's where it's been incredibly difficult. And I got to give a shout out to Katie Dabrowski. She was uh, my personal coach for a little while. And she was the one that really emphasized on taking care of my central nervous system, my CNS. I was trying to do too much and I was ending up in pain every day to the point where I couldn't train anymore. So she gave me a certain protocol on what to train and how hard to train because I was overdoing it. But why? Because my brain still thought that I'm capable of doing these things. Right. 28, 30 years old. Where my body said, no, brother, you have so many injuries and you have so much wear and tear on this body of yours that I can't allow you to move on. So if your brain is not going to tell you to chill out, I'm going to make you chill out by causing inflammation and pain. So that's been the toughest road for me. As a man, it's an ego check. I, and, and I, and I, and I recognize that this is not just an issue that I'm having, that men my age are having this, is you, who have I become? Who is this pussy, for lack of better terms, right? Where I used to be able to train two or three times a day and feel fucking fantastic the next day and do it again with this fire, where now is, okay, today's jujitsu day. Don't do anything else, because if not, you're going to feel the pain tomorrow. Okay, the next day is squat day. So now I could only squat and do a short little Metcon. And day three is zone two cardio. Do you do zone two cardio? Of course. Fucking boring out of my mind. Of course. This is what I've relied to is zone two fucking cardio. I used to flip tires for an hour. So the, <laughs> the, the, the ego check, the ability to calm myself down and say, just accept the fact that you're not that spring chicken and that the wear and tear that you've caused to your body is a blessing that you're able to do what you're able to do at your age. I'm in a group chat with 13 high school teammates of mine, okay? And I am, I'm the fitness guy. 
I'm the one that they hate on all the time. And by hate on is because I talk shit to them. I make fun of them. If we have another goddamn bourbon chat, I'm going to fucking lose my mind. I don't give a fuck about bourbon. I don't give a fuck about cigars. I know this is blasphemy <laughs> in the firefighter world, right? But I could care less about those things. I right. can't name you any of those right, things. Right, right. But it's the constant fucking conversation on the chat. Right. And I go, guys, what about fitness? What about jujitsu? What about sporting? What about running with your kids? Has any, when was the last time you sprint with your children? What about these things? But it's almost like acceptable that as we get older, we get lazy. Mm. We just don't train anymore. We don't feel the need. That, those are our past days. No, why? All we're doing is digging an early grave for ourselves. You can make yourself both functionality and spiritually last so much longer if you keep up your fitness level. And you don't have to be a fucking maniac like me or like you. You could just be a normal person that works out three or four times a week with some sort of cardiovascular fitness and maybe some things that scare you a little bit. Right. You don't have to compete in competitions in jujitsu. But maybe just go to classes. Maybe just roll with somebody. It could, maybe it could be something else. Maybe fucking pickleball, one-on-one basketball, or join a league. But these guys that feel comfortable getting older and not doing anything about it, I, I don't understand it. It's right. just not the way that I'm they're dead. built. Yeah. No, no, they're dead. Yeah. Seriously. And, and, you know, I asked him on the real, like, how's your, how's your love life? Like, how's your sex life? How's your marriage? How, do you think your wife is proud of you that you're sitting on the fucking couch all day long, that you've gained 50 pounds, that you got married, that you smoke your cigars and drink your bread? We're about, I, we're, we're about to hurt some feelings. No, for sure. I know. Listen, <laughs> I, I know. It. I know. And this, is, and this is why my boys hate me. But I, I'm not saying it to, and I don't, the same way that I tell them, I'm not saying it to ridicule them. Right. Because you could have those things. You could smoke a fucking cigar and play poker it's with your choice. boys. Tomorrow morning, let's go hit the gym for a little while. Let's go lunge the bridge. And then let's, Come back tomorrow evening and shoot the shit and play some poker and give me a sip of that old fashioned. Like you could have both, but the guys that just sit around and completely disregard their Mm -hmm. health and fitness. And then what do I see? I see cardiovascular disease. I see cancers. And then I'm the guy going, okay, motherfucker, what have you been doing for the past 20 or 30 years? Taking care of yourself? No. And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes it just works out that way, right? Where the healthiest fitness, we know some of the guys in our department that are like that. Mm-hmm. Super healthy, super fit, and fucking cancer got them. That sucks. Yeah, it's terrible. But give yourself a fighting chance. Right. You know, and I'm fired up about this because I tell my boys that I absolutely love. Come on, guys. Let's, let's focus a little bit on our fitness. And some of them have. Some of them started picking it up. But getting older for athletes like ourselves is incredibly taxing on the mind. Right. Because... Sometimes, and I'm partly, mostly to blame, this is my identity. Mm. I own a fucking CrossFit gym. I compete in anything that you throw on the table, I'll do it. Firefighter, finish out, let's fucking do it. Jiu-Jitsu, let's fucking do it. I'm in. So watching my body not being able to perform like it used to perform is difficult. And it takes a little bit of psychotherapy to get me to understand, like, look, I'm just not what I used to be physically, but accept the fact that I'm way ahead of the curve of where I should be. Yeah, absolutely. And... You got so passionate there, and I, I, I'm I sorry because I'm, I'm that guy. I'm I'm that guy too, and I don't know if you heard me, but when I said was they're dead. Yeah. The people out there that are listening to this, if this is you, you're dead. And what do I mean by that? What I mean is you wake up every day, you consume oxygen, and you're not alive. You're not fulfilled. You your fulfillment if your fulfillment comes from three things: alcohol, porn, and sleep. You're not alive, no, no. right? You're not alive. Those are all vices, vices yeah, that 100%. are really, really bad. Yeah. And that's not what life is. 
You know, that's not, that's not what life is. I woke up this morning dragging. So, woke up this morning, went for a six-mile run, did an ice bath. And I got out of that ice bath, and I do a little walk around the neighborhood after the ice bath, warm back up. I don't use a towel. I just start walking. And I felt so alive. Like, I just looked up, and I said, you know, thank you, God. Like, I'm, I'm so happy right now. Mm. Like, and I'm like... This is so crazy. Like uh, literally a six mile run in an ice bath mm. just completely changed my internal state. Yeah. Like I don't need drugs. I don't need sex. Mm. I don't need anything. Mm. Like something so simple that required minimal yeah. minimal things. Running, running shoes and then the ice bath. Mm. Obviously I have a system that's set up, which shout out to live well, recover. Um, that, you know, was sitting at 38 degrees and both things were hard. During the run, uh, I'm talking about zone two training, zone two run. So heart rate was like 130, 135. I'm like four miles in. And I'm like, man, I, I haven't been on a 60-minute run in a while. This is boring. This is yeah, terrible. Yeah. Um, but I got through that little moment, and I look at people at work, and I'm like, every the thing is, is it's not just you. Mm-hmm. Everything you're surrounded by, everything you're associated with, <clears throat> They deal with that. Yeah. They deal with the attitude. They deal with the health risk. They deal with the energy, right? We, Everybody has to understand, and I'm going to get a little woo-woo here. Every single human is a ball of energy. And when you walk in a room, you either light the room up mm-hmm. or you dim the room. And in the fire service, there's a lot of people that dim the room. I'm going to mm-hmm. say a story. Because in the fire service, there's a lot of people that love having an opinion but have zero substance to, to really have an opinion. So understand that opinions are going to be had and just don't even sweat it. I was working at 74 and I, I really don't remember who it is or I'd tell you. Somebody said, uh, yeah, Mike's so crazy. You know, he, he doesn't get it, man. He's old and he, he can barely walk. He's back. And I looked at him and I said, you just don't get it. He's like, he's like what, man? Like He preaches health and that's not healthy. I go, listen, man, it's an injury. Athletes go through injuries. He'll recover. He'll be fine. I go, but what he has internally with a back injury, you haven't felt for probably 20 years. Mm-hmm. Oh, what, what do you mean? I'm like, when's the last time you were challenged? When's the last time you challenged yourself? When's the last time you actually, like, really, really sweated? Like, you were out of breath. Yeah. And he just looked at me like I was stupid. I was like, don't get, don't get somebody confused with being injured to being stubborn. Understand that that's a part of this process, yeah. right? Um, the other day we were doing a drill and I hurt my back. I'm like, fuck, I never had anything in my back. And I know how, how you know, for big tall dudes, how, yeah. you, you know, the back is really susceptible. And if you, if you hurt your back, it bleeds in everything. You yeah. can't run, you yeah. can't lift, all these things. Literally, we did a drill, uh, took a shower. I went and did an hour of mobility. Rest of the shift was a little achy. Morning, I woke up, I was fine. And I was like, thank God. But I had to remind myself, like, that, that's a part of this. That's yeah, a part of life. Process for sure. It's a part of life. I'll take that risk and feel the way I feel over playing it safe or being lazy yeah. and living for, like we talked about, all the vices that, quite frankly, are brief moments. Yeah, 100%. You know, they're looking for that dopamine rush in the easiest way possible. And what you talked about, a little bit of bourbon, a little cigar, a little bit of porn, whatever you want to call it. 
they're not taking the hard route mm-hmm. to find that dopamine rush. When it comes to the back injury, which is probably the, my biggest ailment, is I take pride in doing the things that I'm doing in spite of the back injury because I could easily hang it up. Most guys at my age would hang it up. My They would quit. They would quit. My, <laughs> my mentor, my, um, my everything when it comes to the fire department, my cousin. Years ago, when I first hurt my back in 2015, when I first herniated the first two discs, he said, why the fuck do you got to keep lifting so fucking heavy? And I said, because most people won't. My, my challenge is to get back up to 500 pounds back squat by the time I'm 50 years old. But I know it's a tremendous challenge because of my back injury. My brain and my body are disconnected. My brain is telling me I can do it. My body's saying, eh, I just got to figure out a way of doing it. Mm-hmm. And whether it's people like JD's programming or Mike De La Pava or Katie hiring these people that could give me other ways of looking at fitness to get me to my fucking goals. I'm going to suck them dry as much as I possibly can. You're going to create a path. I'm going to create a path in order to do this because I am looking for the most difficult way to get that dopamine rush. Why? Because anybody could fucking log into Pornhub. Anybody could drink their... If anybody could do it, I don't want to fucking do it. It's boring to me, right? I need to find somebody, something else in order to create that dopamine rush. And Jess, my wife, tells me, why? Why do you do this to yourself? Why do you... You know... um, Last year, February, Super Bowl party, we had a get-together, and I re-aggregated my back. She couldn't find me. She found me on our bed. I was in tears, and she said, what the fuck is wrong with you? I said, I can't stand. We have all these people, and I can't even cook those chicken wings because I'm in that much fucking pain. And she says, why do you continue to do these things to your body? Just chill out already. Just like, I'm going to love you regardless. And I said, it's not about you. Right. It's about me. So... You know, I, I think I know who you're talking about that. That probably, maybe that same guy said to me, I think before I, or when I signed up for this jujitsu competition, he said, I think you're having a midlife crisis. <laughs> and I said, fuck yeah. If this is a midlife crisis, this is what I want. And hopefully I could inspire you. Maybe you've already made your decision, but hopefully I can inspire you to get your little bit of sweat on because you're the captain, brother. You're the one going in that house when it's fucking steaming. I'm I'm a driver. I'm outside. You may catch me in there every now and then, but for the most part, you're the you're the one that needs to be physically fit to get in there. You know, so the the last um, conversation I had with my wife about jujitsu in this competition, I said to her, the next one that I compete in, I think I want to go into a lower age bracket, and she said, why? And I said, man, again, not a shot. And I know that I'm going to get shit for this comment, but. I don't want to compete against guys my age. I want to compete against 30-year-olds. I want to compete against guys that are in their prime, which I would consider 30-year-olds. That's when I was probably the most fit was 30-year-olds. I've always been told 30 to 40. Yeah, is is when you're reaching that peakness, right? I said, I want to see how I do against these motherfuckers. Yeah, of course, white belts, right? But I want to go against guys 18 years younger than me to see if I could hold it. She goes, that's such an ego thing. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm embracing that. Like, I want that challenge. You know, I might get tossed. I might get go up against a wrestler that throws me around at the gym, and I'm going to apologize to my kids for looking like a schmuck. But I, I need that challenge in order to keep me motivated right. to keep doing the things that I'm doing. What you said about being dead, I just can't accept that. Yeah, no, no, no. It, it's one of those things, too. I talked to a buddy of mine the other day. I said, hey, man, your kids respect you so much. It's so impressive. He has five kids. I go, how do you reprimand them? I go, he goes, we suffer. Mm. He goes, I'm fit enough to where 
They're not going to outlast me. Mm. I don't have to yell. I don't have to hit them. Mm. No, we're just going to suffer mm. together. Mm. And they're going to see what pain feels like. Mm. And their kids, they don't like pain. Like physical yeah, yeah, pain. Yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. <laughs> so yeah. while I don't have to hit them like I got hit, just do push-ups for 24 hours. Right. Every hour we're going to do these push-ups. Yeah. Right? And when they can't put their hands above their head after fucking six hours, yeah. there's a different level of respect. And going back to what you said about being the dad that can sprint with his kids, being the person that like you walk around life and you see people and they're just, they're just dead inside. Mm -hmm. and, and I want to be, I'm not a dad yet, but I'm going to be a dad. And I want to be that dad, that firefighter, that the moment I walk anywhere, people automatically assume I'm, cap I'm more than capable of helping them yeah. and being an asset. Um, and, and I want to kind of tie this, this conversation with that. Why, or where does it come from? Where does your personality come from? The drive of, from when it all started of coming back to Miami and training hard in the summers, like, and then the constant pursuit, becoming a firefighter, becoming, getting to the CrossFit, owning a gym, now jujitsu. Where does yeah. that come from? I, I'm going to say most of it comes from my mom, watching my mom. My mom left Cuba at 16 years old. She saw the writing on the wall with the revolution, the, the, the Castro regime coming in. And, um, you know, with, with uh, no disregard for her own life, she turned to somebody and said, uh, a gentleman that was in, very much in love with her, he, she said, I don't love you, mm. but I'll be your faithful wife if you take me to America. And that's exactly what she did. And the minute she stepped foot here, she worked her ass off to bring her entire family, our entire family, which is a huge Cuban family, over to the States to get them out of there. She was almost successful, except for one of our cousins that's still stuck there that the the political regime over there would not let him go but she worked her ass off to get him over here we're all here because of my mom then i saw that was she was 16 years old she didn't graduate from high school she knew how to she knew how to sew socks and that's what she started doing working in the factories in hialeah working two three jobs um, we wouldn't see her till 8 or 9 p.m we'd bounce around after school to other family members homes louis being one of them um and then we would see my mom my mom would cook and clean and she made shit fucking happen the house that I live in right now is my mom's house, and I owe it to her because she invested and figured out how to buy a house here in Miami, and um, she instilled in that. And one of the stories that I've said in the past, and I'll say it again, and this is my mom teaching me how to be a man, is my senior year district wrestling tournament. I have a chance to be the district champ. I go against Silver Marine, which we actually ended up being friends. He throws me in the head and arm and pins me in the first round. And I stood up off the mat, already in tears, didn't shake his hand, didn't shake his coach's hand, walked off the mat like a fucking little bitch, found a stairwell and started crying in a hidden stairwell. The door opens up, I have my head down like this, I see my mom's feet, and I'm thinking, maternally, she's gonna rub my head and give me a kiss. Not my Cuban mom. My mom grabbed me by the ear, stood me up, because she was only five foot four, and said, you get your fucking ass in that gym. You walk across that mat. You shake his hand, you shake his coach's hand. We did just that. She left me. She told coach, I'm taking him with me. I left. She got in the car, didn't say shit to me. At my front door, she goes, I'm going to open this door, and you're going to walk inside the bathroom, and you're going to cry until you're done. You never show fear. You never show weakness. You become a fucking man. And that's the way the men handle problems. And those are the moments, those little nuggets that my mom gave me that fired me up for the rest of my life into where I am right now.
And anytime that I find myself in like a challenging situation, whether it's business-wise, emotionally-wise, relationship, or physically, I think of my mom. Like, what would my mom do? You know, that, that was my motivation that had me shaking walking onto that mat last weekend, which was quite intimidating, was thinking, imagine my mom being here and what outcome would I want my mom to see? And it's unfortunate she's no longer with us to see that outcome, but that's the motivation that I use. And I think that's the fire that I've always had inside of me is that little Cuban spirit of hers that fight to the fucking death, make it happen.